everybody. Welcome back to the So OCD podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Nunnery, and we are finishing up our season with these next two episodes, episodes six and seven. And I'm going to be talking about tips for sharing your OCD and how to start the healing process. Now, obviously this is going to look different for everybody, but I just wanted to give you some tips to start talking about it. Maybe if you haven't, and to start taking steps forward to get what you need to live and thrive with OCD. So that's what we're going to be doing this week and on our final episode two weeks from now. And I'm just really excited that you guys are here and that you've joined me this whole season. So let's get started. I've talked a lot in this podcast about the things that I wish I knew when I first started dealing with OCD. I didn't really even know that I had OCD for quite a few years. It wasn't something that was really in my vocabulary beyond calling myself so OCD if I was really anal retentive about something. (laughs) But once I discovered that that's what that was, and once I got an official diagnosis, that was a huge turning point for me in terms of handling my compulsions in a healthier way and just living life in a way that wasn't quite so fearful. I was still afraid. I still get scared. I still deal with that kind of stuff all the time. In fact, last night I sat up in bed and just started crying because I was having intrusive thoughts and I just had to sit up and sort of let them pass through my head without trying to explain them away or justify or, you know, reassure myself that everything was okay, but just let them be there and just let them go through my head and not try to battle them. I cried a little bit and I think that that's fine because I needed to. It was emotional for me. I was tired. I am a couple of weeks away from giving birth and hormones are going crazy. So there was a lot going into it. And I knew that in that moment. And I tried my best to just have grace for myself and let those intrusive thoughts go through my head and then just lay back down. (laughs) And that's something that has taken me a long time to learn. And it's still really difficult at times because you can just feel like your mind is attacking you. And no matter what you do, it won't stop. But I want this episode and the next episode to be an encouragement to people who may be just starting this journey for the first time, maybe just realized that they had OCD or are thinking that they do and are not really sure, or have been dealing with it for a long time and are finally ready to talk about it with people and finally ready to start moving forward because maybe you've been trying to deal with it for yourself or by yourself for a really long time. And I don't think that that's the way to do it. I think that we were made for community and we were made to share and help one another carry each other's burdens because we can't do this life all by ourselves and we shouldn't have to live with our illnesses all by ourselves either. Yes, we are the ones that are going to have to do the work and we are the ones that are going to have to make changes in our behavior, seek out help, do the things that are healthy and good for us. Yes, but a lot of times doing those things on our own feels impossible because we need the support and encouragement of others. So that's what this episode is for. And that's what I hope to help you start doing in your life. So the first step I want to talk about, the first thing that I want you to know more than anything else, if you don't hear anything else, is that having OCD and having the thoughts that you have or the struggles that you have does not mean that you are wrong or bad or evil or unworthy of love. I want you to know that right now before anything else. I think we spend so much time 
trying to understand where our thoughts are coming from when we have OCD because OCD attacks what we love most. Of course it does. It's your brain's way of saying, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Well, what's the worst thing that could happen is that you or someone you love dies or gets hurt or gets abused or that you do something like that to somebody. I mean, that would be horrific. It's not that that's who you are. It's that your brain is trying to tell you, actually, this is what you love the most. This is what you're most scared of happening. This is what would devastate you. And I don't know why our brains want us to think about those things. But what I want you to know is that intrusive thoughts are normal. Intrusive thoughts are normal for every person on earth. It's just that people with OCD tend to attach meaning to those thoughts. We think them and we automatically assume it must mean something deeper about us. We don't have enough grace for ourselves to consider all of the other things that go into it, all the ways that our brains just latch on to things, the ways that our brains pull information in from so many different sources all throughout the day, all the time, and how our brains process that. So I think, actually, that having intrusive thoughts is evidence of the goodness of your heart. It's evidence of how much you love the people in your life, how much you care deeply, how much those things matter to you. And so when you're having those intrusive thoughts, I don't want to encourage you to have another compulsion where you're trying to reassure yourself because that's definitely a compulsion where you sit and justify and think and walk yourself through the process and analyze. But I do want to tell you that when that stuff comes into your head, just say, this is evidence that I care. And that is a very good thing. Step number two is to start talking to someone, anybody. It could be a pastor, a spouse, a friend, a colleague, a parent, anybody. I don't care who it is, but I think that we need to start talking. That if you haven't shared what you're going through with somebody, you absolutely need to do that. And I know that sometimes that can be really, really hard. In fact, I think that's probably the hardest part of this whole process is stepping out of our own minds where... You know, we've been dealing with this for some people for months, some people for weeks, some people for years without sharing it with anybody. I know for me that when I started actually talking about my OCD, it was the hardest thing because here's what I did. I would share a little bit about my intrusive thought, but not everything. Or I would share one of my intrusive thoughts, but not the most serious ones. I was trying to dip my toe in the water, right? I was trying to assess how the people in my life would respond to what I was going through. It's so scary to be vulnerable. It's so scary to be honest because especially if we're thinking, what does this mean about me? Does this mean I'm terrible or evil? Well, of course, we're going to assume that other people are going to think that too. But what I have found, surprisingly, is that people are way more compassionate and grace-filled than we often give them credit for, especially the people in our lives who love us and know us well. The problem when we don't share everything fully, and I'm not saying you have to share everything fully with everybody in your life. Not everybody deserves to know your entire story. I do think that whoever you choose to share it with, you need to share fully because if you don't, they're not gonna know how serious it is. When I first started dipping my toe in the water and just sharing a little bit, trying to assess whether or not this person would think I was crazy, I wasn't actually sharing the depth of my despair and the depth of my sorrow. So they didn't know that. They didn't know what I was going through. So when I'd tell them, oh, I had this thought and it was kind of bothering me, they'd go, oh, well, you never do anything like that. Don't worry about it. Because to them, it was just a random thought. 
They didn't know how much I'd been obsessing. They didn't know that it was consuming my every waking hour and that I was starting to perform all of these compulsions that were taking up hours of my day to keep myself feeling sane. That is what we cannot miss sharing with people. I remember when I finally started talking in deeper detail with people that were not just my spouse. I had, I had finally gotten to where I was telling my spouse everything and talking to a couple of other close friends. But there was still one or two intrusive thoughts that I hadn't shared because to me it just felt too dark, too scary. It was too much, right? That's what we think. It's too much. It's too much. I can't share this with somebody else. It'll scare them away or they won't love me anymore. All those are just bullshit lies, okay? I was in the car driving with a friend, such a dear friend of mine. She's so wonderful. And she and I have shared a lot of the same struggles. I didn't know to the extent though, until this day, we were in the car and we were driving to the movies. And I remember that we were talking about intrusive thoughts and talking about anxiety. That was kind of how I always termed it. I just kind of generalized it as anxiety. And I was sharing with her some of the things that I had thought. And I remember thinking, I wish that I could just open up completely. And funny enough, as I was thinking that, she looked at me from across the cab of the car and she said, you know, I've struggled with some of that too. In fact, I've thought A, B, and C. And she shared her thought with me. And you guys, it was the exact same thought that I had had and that I had been too afraid to open up about. And I couldn't help myself. I mean, clear, clearly I have discussed in this podcast about how much I cry and it was emotional for me. And I burst into tears, but not tears of sadness. They were relief. I was so relieved because I knew her heart. I knew who she was. I knew how well she loved the people in her life, how much she loved Jesus, how good of a friend she was to me. And I thought, I have no judgment for her. I can share that with her. And I looked at her and I said, that is the same thing that I have thought and have been too afraid to say. And she just reached across and she held my hand and she was like, it's okay. I totally get it. I think it's the enemy trying to attack the things that we love most in our most vulnerable position, and our minds are just wired funky. So we hold on to this stuff and think it means something, and it doesn't. And ever since then, I have been really open about that stuff. I started sharing it with my small group. I told my therapist, and she didn't even blink. She just was like, yeah, well, that's normal. And so when you do that, when you start to share with people and you're completely honest with them, whether it's one person or many people in your life, or you start putting it out on a podcast at some point, which is something I never thought I would do. There's a lot of freedom that comes from that because what happens is that when you expose that stuff to the light by talking about it, it releases its power at least a little bit. That doesn't mean it's not going to come back. It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with that thought again in a moment where you know your anxiety is heightened or Maybe you're in a situation that really triggers that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. But what it does mean is that you now have a tool moving forward to remember that you are not alone in it. So step number three, I would say, is once you've started sharing this with people in your life, is finding a counselor or a therapist. I cannot recommend professional help enough. I know that that's tough for some people, and I know that that's scary. And sometimes people think it's not going to help at all, but I am telling you right now that it was a lifesaver for me, and that that is exactly why those careers and those professions exist, because we cannot do this by ourselves. 
And there are people who have studied this for years, whose expertise is in OCD and intrusive thoughts and all the different subtypes of this illness, and they understand it. They understand how to approach it. They understand what we need to heal and to live and to thrive while living with OCD and to not be consumed by our compulsions. So however that looks, find a counselor or a therapist. Google is your friend, okay? Read all the reviews, ask for referrals from friends that you know who've had counseling or from churches if you have that available, if you're a part of a faith community, and then ask professionals questions over the phone or email. Don't be afraid to ask them for whatever you need. I had a therapist after I had my daughter, Lucy, and she was wonderful. She was a holistic therapist, and so she approached my OCD as a as a you know, how am I doing physically? How am I sleeping? How am I eating? All of that kind of stuff she put into consideration of how I was handling it. Ultimately, she moved away after about a year of therapy. But at that point, I had, I think I had reached a place where I was doing really well. So I was only seeing her once a month rather than every week or every other week. And I asked her for referrals after she moved away. I also got referrals from my church and they sent me to a lot of different types of counselors. Some of them were faith-based, some of them weren't. Unfortunately, I haven't found another one because they either don't take insurance or because they specialize in general anxiety or anxiety and depression, but not OCD. And I want to suggest that whoever you find needs to be somebody who understands OCD because this is more than anxiety. It's different. It's a different type of mental illness. So you really need somebody who's going to understand the tools to approaching this particular type of mental health issue. Again, don't be afraid to ask questions. And also, if you go to see a counselor and you're not a fan, don't be afraid to leave one counselor for another if it isn't working. You take the lead here. This is your brain, your body, your health. I encourage you to say, this is what I need. And if I'm not getting it, I'm going to go elsewhere. When I say that, I also do that with the understanding that unfortunately, our mental health (laughs) system is pretty terrible in some places. And I know that there's not a lot of resources available to everybody who might be listening to this podcast. So that's why I'm saying whatever you can do, wherever you can go, start searching. Okay. And I'll be praying that you find exactly what you need and that people that you connect with and you share your OCD with can start maybe joining you in that search and helping you find what you're looking for. All right. Step four is to become an expert at your own triggers and own them. Let the people that you love and trust in your life become familiar with your triggers. I think I might have shared this once before in a previous episode, but you know, I've gotten to the point where there are certain things that I can't watch. There are certain things that I can't read. I have to be really careful about news headlines and things that are popping up on my news feed on Twitter, even on Instagram sometimes, which is pretty happy most of the time because I try to follow things that just uplift me. But every once in a while, you'll see something on your explore page that's terrible. And especially with social media, we are inundated with information about tragedies. And that can be really hard on my heart and on my mind. So I have to be very careful about those things. And my husband, who loves, he loves silly action movies and B-horror movies and Game of Thrones and some of those shows that I have just either I'm not interested in or I just know that I can't handle them. I actually tried watching Game of Thrones and I liked it for a while. And then, and then in the Red Wedding episode, which was probably the most famous one at the end of season three, I was pregnant with my daughter when I watched that. 
and that was a very bad idea. And as soon as they started, spoiler alert if you don't know, basically they just kill everybody off in that episode. And it was devastating for me. I burst into tears immediately. It was so shocking to my senses, but also so devastating. I just, I hate stuff like that. I can't, I get really upset because I think, how can people even act in a, in a scene like that. So now my husband is very, very familiar with those triggers for me. And if I walk into a room and he's watching something that he knows is going to upset me, he'll just say, this is not a mommy movie. (laughs) Not a mommy movie is something he used to say to his own mom whenever she would ask, you know, about a movie that he liked and he knew that she wouldn't like it. He would say that. And now he says it to me. And I appreciate that because it doesn't give me any details. It's not going to set off any triggers. It's just him saying, look, I'm trying to guard you from this because I know that this will upset you. I'll head back to the bedroom and watch, as I've said before, Call the Midwife or Victoria or Poldark or some BBC show that I love. There is no shame in having triggers. Everybody has them. The truth is everybody has a threshold of sensitivity. Everybody has something that bothers them that they can't handle. Of course we do. We're not made to consume violence and to see that stuff and to live in that kind of environment. Of course those things are devastating to us. So there is no shame in saying, I can't handle this. This is too much for me. This is my trigger and I'm not going to consume any media. I'm not going to consume any kind of, I don't know, conversations with people. I mean, even saying to your friends, like, I can't hear this. I don't really want to hear that story. That's fine. I've had to say that, and there's no shame in it. There's no shame in it at all. Step four, which is the last one I'm going to share in this episode. I'll have a few more in the final episode, is to own your triggers. Become an expert at what it is that bothers you. Become an expert in the things that induce your intrusive thoughts or make you feel like you need to perform compulsions. It doesn't always have to be a movie or a headline that bothers you. For me, sometimes it's being alone. I know that being alone for extended amounts of time is a trigger for me because I feel isolated. And then my mind has nothing to do except for just churn on itself. That's one for me. It might be different for you. Whatever it is, it's okay. It's okay for you to say that and it's okay for you to own it. And it's okay for you to ask the people in your love to be cautious with that around you because that's just a part of loving each other well. All right, guys, I hope this episode was helpful for you. There's more coming in part two and the season finale of So OCD. I'm really, really thankful that you've been here. Thank you for all of the sweet reviews that you've left on iTunes. Thank you so much for the messages that you've sent me, not just telling me that it has encouraged you. I I want you guys to know that it has encouraged me too. When I get messages from you guys talking about the things that you go through, I want you to know it's also an encouragement to me. So thank you for being willing to share that part of yourself. Thank you for opening up. I hope that you'll continue to do that. And I hope that you'll get what you need from the people in your community. And I hope that you'll join me for the last episode. So thanks again for being here. Uh, I also want you to know that as far as the Instagram account at Podcast. That account is no longer going to be active. I'm going to start sharing updates about the show and episodes that are coming up on my personal account at Lady Nunnery, N-U-N-N-E-R-Y. So that's it for now. I hope you guys will join me again next time.